It's my privilege this morning to introduce the person who's going to introduce our preacher this morning. Yeah. <laughs> because I will get it on. So will you give a very warm welcome for our very own Jenny Bull. That's not very random at all. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's my joy to, to welcome Paul. Um, um, Paul is part of the leadership team at um, Transforming Lives for Good, based in Bradford. TLG are the organisation that we're partnering with for the Mate Lunch Project. <laughs> it's by magic, it's on there. Um, and Paul is um, coming kind of, it's uh, obviously the school holidays are here now, so um, we are only two weeks away from our first Mate Lunch session. Um, so Paul is coming as part of the kind of the, all the launch of it. So um, we're privileged to hear from him. So we'll just pray for you. Brilliant. <laughs> Father, thank you for the privilege of Paul coming this morning. Lord, I pray that you will bless him as he delivers the, the word that you've put on his heart for us. Lord, and I pray that um, it will take root in each of our hearts, Lord, and um, bring about change. Lord, ultimately that's what we want, change for your glory. Father God, thank you and bless him now, Lord. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you. So, thank you for having me this morning. It is great to be here and excited to be with you guys. I, um, as part of the leadership team, I do go around lots of churches speaking and talking, but um, I don't very often get to um, come when there's a Make Lunch launch, so that is really exciting. And it's just been great chatting to all of you from the beginning, uh, making me feel so welcome, and you do get that from most churches, but not all. Um, so it's great that you've, you've made me feel welcome. And I've never been to a church visit yet where I've had gooseberries. So that's, you guys are definitely winning on, on that state. Um, so, a little bit about myself. Um, if you're like me, I would like to know who's speaking to me and how qualified they are. Um, probably not that qualified, quite a simple person. But um, I live in Bradford at the minute and as Jenny said, I work for TLG, Transforming Lives for Good. Been there for nearly 15 years. So, joined TLG when it was a volunteer project in Bradford, working with one church, kind of a youth drop-in on a Friday night. And over 15 years, we've seen it grow into a national charity, partnering with nearly 250 churches, thousands of volunteers, kind of 80 different staff from those churches across the country. Um, I'm a dad, a dad of three, so I, um, I used to have hobbies, I don't anymore. Um, actually, well, being a father, so six, three, and one. So if I, yeah, it's my own fault. He can't, I can't look for sympathy. Um, so if I do fall asleep or drift off, just give it a nudge. It's, it's not about you guys. And actually, in fact, my wife, my wife said to me, Louise, my wife, this week, she said, "Do you know what? You're starting to look really tired, and you're starting to get like those wrinkles that um, Gordon Ramsay has, um, and starting to look a bit haggard." So I was like, oh, that's nice. But I thought there was going to be like a, but I still love you kind of thing that came. But nothing came after it. It just kind of finished there. So I can't think of a time when switching that around would have worked, to be honest. But. So, um, so let me just share a little bit with you about uh, TLG and who we are. If I can get the clicker on. Is it the top one? There we are. So... 
God's love knows no bounds. So I'll give you a brief overview of TLG and what we do. So TLG, we are a Christian charity bringing hope and a future for struggling kids and families across the country. So that might be kids that are struggling with exclusion, being excluded from school, with bereavement, with holiday hunger, with neglect, with abuse, whatever point they're struggling at, that's where as a charity we partner with churches to intervene at that crossroads and bring a hope for the future. In terms of the programmes, I'll just give you a little bit. We have different things we do, but the three main things we have are education centres. So we have 13 of them across the country. The closest to here is Newcastle. Um, and that's working with uh, full-time with teenagers that have been excluded from school or at risk of exclusion. So I guess we'd say that's kind of real deep-end needs. So kids that may be uh, looked after, kind of in the criminal justice system. But again, a church, local church getting together, giving them love, support, providing them education. And we have early intervention. So this is a volunteer programme. So we have about 130 church partners across the country running early intervention. So we train church-based volunteers to go into a primary school, work with a child on a one-to-one level. So they meet, we describe as one coach for one hour a week for up to one year. Some of them may go longer, but basically, again, where kids might be struggling for whatever reason, just having that one consistent person in their life for at least a year, maybe longer, makes a massive, massive difference in bringing a church community and support. And then also Make Lunch, which is the exciting bit, which is what you guys are going to be venturing into in a couple of weeks. Um, so this is about meeting the need of, of holiday hunger. So that is kids and families where um, maybe on free school meals or kind of poverty is a real challenge for them and just struggling to make ends meet. When those kids are getting food in school holidays, kind of when the holidays come, the food stops and that provision. So actually church is stepping in and providing that help and support bringing food, bringing support during the holidays. Um, we've just got a, a little video clip that will give you a little bit more overview of what TLG Make Lunch is about. So I'll give you a bit of a flavour of what you guys are going to be doing over the summer. School meals after the long school holidays. Our education correspondent Elaine Dunkley has been to St Helens to find out how some families have been coping over the summer. This may look like any other play centre, but there is a difference. First of all, we're going to have for dinner, we've got some chicken pasta bake. At this lunch club in St Helens, many of the families who come here struggle to feed their children during the summer holidays. It's a chance for Brendan, Nicole, Cara and Jade to have a hot meal and play. We um, do make friends and do painting, stuff like that. And you have like lovely food. I do worry a lot about food not being in the cupboards as much as we used to have. It's been very hard for mum, it's been very hard for my sisters and brothers. And mainly very hard for me to see mum struggle. For their mum Sarah, the school holidays is a difficult time of year. She's on universal credit. Changes to her benefits have brought hardship. You're struggling, you know, to get the food in and getting in places. It's not good. How much do you worry? A lot, quite a lot. Every day I wake up thinking that social services are going to come knocking on my door, taking my kids away because I can't feed them. 
Right, he's spinning and he's going for it. The TLG Make Lunch group works with churches around the country to ensure that children who usually get free school meals are fed during the summer holidays. They're also seeing more working families using the service. So we know that there's one and a half million kids on free school meals, another three million kind of close to the poverty line that we don't even know about. It's a massive need, it's heartbreaking to see the kids that come in and literally I was just asking one of the kids, we're talking about what would you do if you had a spare £500 and the first response was I'd get gas and electric. So kind of the needs go just not just food, it goes beyond that. For Sarah, any spare money is a treat for the children. She's the best mum ever. She put 15 pence in my jar because I only had 35 but now I've got 50 pence. The government says it has invested an additional £2 million into projects for poorer children in England during the summer. But for many families, every school holiday is a time of hunger. Elaine Dunkley, BBC News. So, am I pressing the right one? I want to read with you guys from Luke 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and lose one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. So, I guess one of my questions this morning is, have you ever been lost? How do you feel about that? I remember my first memories of being lost was when I was seven years old and I got lost in WH Smith in Middlesbrough Town Centre. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't any need to panic because my uh, mum was still there reading the magazines but I'd gone off to look at something else. When I turned around she'd gone and I was completely lost. I remember just traipsing around kind of the town, kind of bit of the town centre looking for and just this sense of being lost. And I guess we can all, we've probably all got recollections of times when we've been lost. Um, sometimes it could be life or death, I guess, can't it? I think of um, the, the uh, Thai boys who got stuck in the cave and kind of going there and getting lost. And actually, that was a matter of life and death if you get lost in that situation. But what about emotionally or spiritually feeling lost in life? Actually, sometimes that's worse, isn't it, than physically being lost. And sometimes we can be lost and not even know it. I think... Probably most of us had that feeling when you're following the sat-nav and you realise actually maybe you haven't quite right put the right postcode in or you're going to the wrong place and you're like, actually, I think we're a little bit lost here. But the thing for me in this passage that doesn't add up is the part about the 99. Jesus left the 99 for one. Now, I'm not a statistician or a, or a, a mathematician by any stretch of the imagination, but why would you leave 99 for one? So, 
I think it's because we get a, a glimpse into God's heart and what God is really about. It says in verse 7, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So I think if that's true, today is great, isn't it? And we should never take for granted meeting his church and what a privilege that is. And God is here and God is rejoicing. And this is a good thing to do. But actually, he's interested in the one as much as here, if more. So if that's true, what does that, what does that mean for the lost sheep and how we look at people who are lost? And I think it'll help us understand this passage a little bit more if we look at kind of why sheep get lost or how they get lost. Now, the good thing for you guys is I grew up in North Yorkshire on a farm, so I know a bit about sheep, so this isn't as random as it sounds, okay? So I know a little bit about sheep and why they get lost. And I would suggest there's three reasons, three main reasons why sheep get lost. One is sheep just make wrong choices. (laughs) They just make bad choices. People actually, sheep are quite stupid, but they're not actually, they're quite clever animals. They just make some wrong choices sometimes. And you'll have seen it, driving along country lanes, there's always one sheep that's got out somewhere, isn't there, and running along, and you can't find out where it's come from. But I would say that sheep are a bit like us, and Jesus uses this analogy for a reason, because we just make wrong choices, don't we, in life? I know I do, from... I'd like to from time to time, quite a lot, I just make wrong choices about things and get things wrong. And I think when you catch us in our reflective moments, we'd all say that. But I think sometimes people make wrong choices, sometimes because we just do, but sometimes because of other circumstances. Maybe it's wrong friends, the wrong influence, following the crowd. Maybe it's peer pressure. Maybe it's bereavement. Maybe we just got it wrong. And at TLG, I do see this a lot of the time where families, kids that come into us, where they've just made some, different, some wrong choices on things. Maybe not because they've weighed it up and gone down and gone, oh, well, I'll choose that option. Just because life's happened and that's what comes along and you end up in those situations making those choices, whether that's because of failure, rejection, fear, hurt, whatever it is, that we will make those choices. But there is hope in this. So this is Marcy. So Marcy goes along to a make-lunch club in just near Manchester. And we met her and her mum last year coming along to TLG make-lunch club. And again, if you chatted to her about life and where, where things were and what was happening, there's just some challenges for her and some just wrong choices that she's made. But this is what Joanne said about coming along to make-lunch club and how she was lost, but now she felt she'd been found. She said, I used to be petrified, so this is Marcy's mum, Joanne, said, I used to be petrified of school holidays. The six-week break made me so worried. I'm on a very low income. I get enough just about to keep my head above water, but that's it. So when the holidays came, I'd be afraid of how, how I was going to feed Marcy. Things got so bad that Marcy's school told us about Make Lunch Club at the local Baptist church in town. We went for the first time, and it turned out to be a lifesaver for us, a complete godsend. What I really love is that it's not just about food. I wasn't going to church at all before, but Make Lunch has made me think differently about uh, what church can be. Coming to the Make Lunch Club has made Marcy and I feel like we belong. We're part of an extended family which makes such a difference for someone like me on their own. So the first one is people can just make the wrong choices. 
The second is about the fox. So if you know, if you uh, know farmers or have grown up on a farm, one of the worst things is if there's a fox coming on site. Um, if you just want to panic a farm, you just have seen a fox in your field and, and, <laughs> and kind of all chaos ensues. Um, but the fox would kind of come and scatter sheep. Sometimes it would wound and maim, sometimes it would, it would kill, but it's just not what you want if you're trying to protect sheep. Now, I think, again, this is similar in life, isn't it? I am um, a little bit of a caveat here. I'm not the kind of person that uh, kind of devil in trees everywhere. You know, like, I guess we all know the type where you've, you've lost your keys, you turn up to, to work late, or you can't find your favourite socks, and people are like, oh, it's the devil's work. So like, probably not. I probably just lost my keys. However, there, are, there is a real, realistic thing in life that the devil exists, and there is just evil in this world. You only have to pick up a newspaper, turn on the internet, look at the TV. There are just things in this life that are just not of God. They're just not right. So as I speak here this morning, and as the holidays start tomorrow, there's one and a half million kids living in poverty across the UK. Sorry, one and a half million kids living in poverty across the UK and eligible for free school meals. So kids who would normally eat, who won't be accessing food tomorrow. A further 3 million in poverty. So that means kind of when school stops, some of the provision does as well. How would you say, that's not right, is it? That's just... Well, it's unjust. It's not God's plan. It's something wrong about either with the system or with the way society is. But particularly in the UK, when we have so much as well, that some have just so little and just kind of the disparity that creates. And in the um, video we saw earlier, the, um, I was saying about... Um, we were asking, what would you do if you had £500? That came about because the BBC came to film and somebody somewhere, one of the kids had started a rumour that if you get on TV, then you get £500. <laughs> so they're all trying to get on the camera. So we're trying to dispel this myth. Yeah, unfortunately, you don't get £500. But it created this conversation about what would you do with it. And I, I was just naively thinking, well, I know my kids, particularly my elders, it would be toys, it would be sweets, it might be a holiday, it would be all sorts of stuff. But when you ask them and gas, putting stuff on the gas meter and the electric meter, is like you first think because they're worried about their mum or, the, or their dad and what they're thinking and the worry and stress it creates. My kids wouldn't even know what the gas meter is or the electric meter is. Do you know what I mean? Praise God that they don't. But there's lots of families where that is the case. And some of that stuff is just because society is broken and some of the stuff that kind of the devil comes out to seek and destroy. But however, there is hope. And again in that video you saw Sarah. She didn't say it in there, but she's, um, in one of our newsletters we interviewed her to send out to everybody. She said about the Make Lunch Club in St. Helens, she said, the people, there, the people here don't judge you. They'll even do a prayer for you. The kids love it here. They even want to come to church on a Sunday, every Sunday. Because I've been coming for three years, it's become a family. And I chatted to Tim, the minister there, running Make Lunch, and he said it's changed the dynamic of their church over the last five years. So you've got, he said, like, where you had kind of people from different backgrounds, maybe some travelling in, some live in the community, not mixing. It's completely changed how they view each other, how they support each other, how they think. Um, and for him, he summed up as what church should be. Then the last point, number three. So I would say another reason sheep get lost is 
just impact of circumstances or the environment. This sheep is called a soe sheep. I think you pronounce it right. S-O-A-Y. When we were growing up on the farm, we would kind of, we were playing at it for fun really because my dad was a fireman. Um, but we lived and it was just kind of a, it was a good opportunity to live on a farm and run, a, run the farm there. But the farmer next door, he was like a proper farmer, like thousands of sheep, how, how many ever acres. And um, one day they went to market and I think they went to buy some better sheep and um, I don't know what happened. And we came back with like six soy sheep and uh, the farmer next door just laughed when he saw them because he knew what they were and he knew what they were about. He just said, best, like, best of luck with them. <laughs> because the challenge with soy sheep is they're wild sheep. So the heritage is they grew up in St Kilda, kind of remote island off Scotland. So they look, actually they look a bit kind of meaty there. They're actually quite lean. They look quite deer-like. And because they used to roam in the wild, they don't really come into human contact often in terms of like heritage. And they just roam around and, yeah, they're not really to be tamed. So I remember like every, probably for about a year, because we had to help out on the farm, having to go out and look for these sheep because they'd gone missing. And you knew every time, it was like another farmer saying, these sheep are in my field again, or they're over the road. You having to kind of get them back, and then you couldn't. I once saw one of them, I'm not kidding, it had its young with it, and animals don't really leave the young. It just bolted. It left its, when it saw it, it left its young, and it cleared a cattle grid. Like, I mean, you're talking like a metre and a metre and a half. It was like, like a spring box. They just were, they're off the charts, kind of wild. And in the end, we just got rid of them because we just couldn't cope with having to go looking for them and just, they just couldn't kind of, yeah, they just wasn't the environment. But the interesting thing was, we got rid of them, but actually we misunderstood them. That was the challenge. We didn't really um, persist with them. And actually, the reason they were behaving like they were, because they were just scared, because they weren't really too in contact. Where we kept them wasn't appropriate. Um... We should have adapted to them better and then they probably would have stayed and actually in terms of the wool and other things that they are they are good sheep to have. But they were just frightened and they ended up getting lost all the time and we just we just gave up and said get rid of them. And again I think that's true of people that are lost. I think in two ways, through no fault of their own, just through circumstances and things that have happened, they get lost. But sometimes we just give up because it's hard work, isn't it? Like going looking for people. It is particularly when it can sometimes be difficult or dysfunctional. It's hard as well. And um, just in terms of that, some of the stats which we've looked at, we've got over 4 million kids living in poverty in the UK. One in three parents from low-income families have skipped meals to feed their children in the holidays. One in ten children in the UK feel unable to cope with school today. But I guess some of these stats is because when you're in this situation, life is just a bit, it's just more difficult, isn't it? Because you haven't got the finances, you haven't got, sometimes we take church for granted, you haven't got that backup support, that network, and it makes things difficult. I'll look at some of the stats for Durham as well. Um, and again, these aren't depressed at all this morning, they're just some of the reality of, of where things are at. There's one in five kids in Durham are on free school meals. So that's a higher percentage, and I was surprised by this, than Darlington, Stockton-on-Tees, Gateshead, this in combined, individually, Redcar and Cleveland, 
Bradford from where we are, which has huge challenges, Nottingham, Luton. It's kind of the 17th highest in the country for kids on free school meals. Child poverty higher than the national average. And Gilesgate Primary School, which is watched over a mile from here, Gilesgate, over 50% of kids on free school meals. That's double the national average. So again, the challenge with the stats is it's not about kind of being on free school meals. It's what that means. That's poor education, that's poor health, that's poor opportunities, life expectancy, just because where you're born in your environment. And that's why sometimes you can just end up getting lost in those situations. However, and I keep saying it, there is hope. And this, this time, this guys, it's you. You guys at Emmanuel Church are the hope. Think of those stats, and I know you meet... So Giles Gate is where you're going to be. So starting in two weeks, you're going to be going into there as a volunteer team, working with kids and families that, for different reasons, are just lost. But you guys are going to be there, and you're going to be the difference. And we see from our Make Lunch Clubs across the country, just church, being there, just turning up, doing what you need to be as a Christian, what God calls us to do. Going out, finding the lost, which is an amazing thing that you're doing. You will be the hope in there. So with that in mind, I thought it would be great to pray for the team, pray for those that are involved, pray for the core team, pray for the volunteers. Um, So if you guys would like to come up, and we're going to pray for you now with that in mind, of you guys being the hope going into that situation. Yeah. No, no. Um... Just before uh, we get everybody up, um, no, 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 it's fine. No, no, you sit down because this is this is the lovely core team. Um, I just wanted because it's a, it's a little while since I've actually stood up and um, said kind of where we're up to and everything. I know a little while ago now I did sort of big push for volunteers, and can I just say thank you so much? I mean, there's, everybody's going to be coming up, but to all the people that have volunteered it's been it's been amazing um, the response that we've had and that is fantastic and we really 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 can't do this without you so it's amazing but in, just to sort of update people as to where we are um, two weeks on Tuesday is our first session um, we can't use the, we can't do the first two weeks of the school holidays because the school is closed for its deep clean so that's why we're not starting kind of straight away but we start two weeks on, t- on Tuesday and we're running every Tuesday and Thursday for the remainder of the school holidays. Um, we, um, we have just sent the, all of the invitations and everything out to um, Gilesgate Primary because, as Paul said, the, the actual numbers of children there um, are phenomenal. And so we kind of thought, you know, let's just be sensible and realistic as to what we might be able to manage. Um, so all the children in Gilesgate have been invited to come along. Um, and... I have been absolutely astounded and um, really excited. We have had, um, we've so far got 10 children signed up, um, which in one sense doesn't sound like a major number, but I wasn't actually expecting anybody really to sign up in advance because they've actually had to make contact. They've had to send messages or ring me or there's a Facebook page which some people have gone on and kind of communicated through that. So they've actually got to, they've had to take the sort of, make the effort to make contact um, and I'm thrilled because I know also that there are other families out there that intend to come who just haven't um, sort of let us know. Um, the head at Gilesgate has been amazing um, in terms of supporting this. Um, he has not only 
is allowing us to use the school um, and has allowed us to get all of the invitations out there. He's invited me to go in um, to various events that have happened within the school um, to promote this. Um, and so officially it's given it, it's given it a, a weight, I think, that wouldn't otherwise have been there in terms of the school are endorsing it, really. Um, Pete and I went in to do, do an assembly a um, uh, couple of weeks ago now, um, which involved me getting a shaving foam, sh shaving foam pie in my face, which was delightful. Um, but the kids loved it, and um, he was walking through one of the... He said to me a few days later that he'd walked through um, the Belmont Community Park a few days later, or the day after or something, and there were some lads around the skate park who um, had actually stopped him as he walked past and was like, oh, we really want to come to your um, holiday thing that you're doing and stuff. So he was like, well, you know, just get your, talk to your parents, get them to come along. So th there is a need out there. We are so privileged to be able to um, try and provide just part of the answer to that. Um, and it's, it's really exciting. So, um, it, yeah, two weeks' time, it starts, and we will um, let you know how it goes. But so Sarah and Stevie and I are kind of the core team running it, but we have a whole bunch. And to be honest, I've, I have to say I've lost track of how many volunteers we've got because people are still coming forward, which is fantastic, and please continue to do so. Um, but everybody who's volunteered or is volunteering, if you could come up and then um, that would be great if we could be pray for. <laughs> yes, now, now, now's the moment, Ross. Go for it. Go for it. To, to different churches you know what you can do this with two volunteers three volunteers but the fact that you guys are just behind us so much honestly and the stuff we've been talking about this morning how God's going to use you is huge but I'll stop talking because praying is better so I'll pray for you now so Lord we just thank you for these guys thank you for this church thank you for their willingness to just uh, take your message out to those out there that are lost not in terms of judgment, not in terms of, um, yeah, that they know the answers, but just because of, of compassion. And they know that they were once lost and found, and they want to bring that to others. So, Lord, I just thank you for each person here that is willing to volunteer to do that. I thank you for the congregation that are behind them, praying them, supporting them. And I just, yeah, I just pray for those kids that have signed up, for those ten, just an amazing number that's to starting with, and that that they would be there, that others would come too, that, um, yeah, it is about the food, it is about feed, kind of feeding and a practical need, but we know that it goes deeper than this, and it's about you and you changing lives from the inside out. And I just pray that, just by the conversations they have, their actions, people would just know there's something different about them and what they're doing, and that there would just be that real connection to them knowing you, Jesus. And, um, yeah, I just pray that they'd have fun as well. I just pray it would be a fun summer, that they would get to know the kids, they'd get to know the family as well, and it would just be a time of just real rejoicing in who you are. In who you are. Amen. 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 Now, if you just stay there, there's one more announcement.
Yeah. Um, as, as Paul said, um, prayer is um, the most important thing for this to succeed. This has been all God's idea from the beginning. Um, and so um, I know we don't normally have um, a prayer breakfast in August, um, but we are having one this August. Um, so that will be on Saturday, the 3rd of, 3rd of August. Um, and um, so we're having a, a normal kind of prayer breakfast on that day, um, but one of the sort of main focuses, because it's literally the Saturday before the first session that we launch on the Tuesday the 6th, um, so the main, one of the main focuses of that is going to be to pray for mate lunch. So even if you're not one of these marvellous volunteers who's actually able to come along and help, it would be fantastic to see loads of people come along to that prayer breakfast and support us in prayer in it. Excellent. Excellent. Now, can we all stand? If you just stay there a moment, you thought you could go, Tori? If we could all stand, because something that Paul said really struck a chord. He used the word change. I think he was talking about a church leader somewhere who said it had changed, it had transformed the church. And it's all right when God calls other people to change. We have no problem with God calling other people to change. I'm quite happy for that. But when God comes knocking on our own door, then that's when the challenge really comes home and we need to respond. I believe this is going to be a season of God calling us to change in the way we relate to people. As God brings people among us, we cannot afford to be standoffish. We need to be the hands of Christ, the words of Christ in that situation. So please, can you just close your eyes and I want to pray for all of us that as God opens up doors into the hearts and lives of people who are separated from him, they will find in us the love of Christ. So, Father, we want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity. We want to thank you for the, the, literally the doors you've opened up in Giles Gate. And I ask, Father, that as we head into this wonderful venture, we will see lives transformed. We will see Jesus glorified. We will see people born again and added to the church. And that your kingdom will come in power, Lord, to the glory of Jesus. And we say, Father, use us. Let us be your voice. Let us be your hands in each of these situations to the glory of Jesus. So that we can be that true witness of your kingdom here on earth. Amen. Amen. Andy, let's have the... What? Yep. Please, if you could all stagger back to your seats. <laughs> to play, um, I just want to chat a little bit about how you guys can also get involved and support. I appreciate not everybody can volunteer or has the time to do so. Um, but I think just knowing there's thousands of kids across the country this summer, um, we want to reach as many as we can, not just in Durham, but across the country. And our vision at TLG is to reach those kids as soon as possible. We want to show that everybody can get that, that need, that support, can, we can meet that need and get that support. So by 2025, we want to be um, reaching 10,000 kids. So that's kind of 400 churches, 10,000 kids and families. Um, 
And I guess the reality is we need your help to do that. So um, under, under your seats, or on your seats probably, unless a, a child ran off with it, um, there should be yeah, uh, a leaflet and a pen. Um, on here is just a way of staying in touch with us. So I'd ask if you could please just simply fill that out. Just put your details on and we can keep in touch with what God is doing across the country through TLG. We sometimes run events from time to time. Um, so particularly if there's any in the northeast, you get to meet some of the kids' families firsthand. And just by popping your details on there, you can get a free book today. Ooh. Yeah, that's it. That's the response. Um, so this is a brilliant book written by Tim, our founder, chief exec talks about kind of the early days of TLG into where we are now, some more stories, some more amazing faith journeys, and hopefully just an inspiration for you guys to read. So if you just uh, fill your name on there and we can keep in touch with you, send you, it's only kind of a couple of times a year that we send out some stories of the kids and families, but again, a great way to pray and keep involved. And then the other thing, I'd just like to take the opportunity to ask if anyone would like to become a hope giver. So that's people who give a regular amount to TLG each month. I guess the reality of this is we're Christians working with churches and in need of the Christians to resource it. That is just the reality of it. Um, so on the form, by, um, there's different amounts on there. You can tick different amounts and you can put your own amount in. But by doing that, it's just supporting kids directly. So those 10,000 kids we're going to reach. It's great over summer that we've got 92, 93, sorry, make lunch clubs now running over summer reaching three or 4,000 kids, but we want to do more. We've got to reach more. So your support in that would be massive. So if you feel that anything today has resonated with yourselves about what TLG does, what we want to do, or what's happening here, then just um, tick that and come and speak to me at the end. Um, so I'm just going to be out there with, with Jenny and just come and hand your forms in, get your free book, and I'm happy to ask and, uh, for you to ask any questions and answer that. Um, and I'll... While the band comes to play, just I can give you a bit of time to fill those forms out or fill them out at the end. And I just wanted to finish with, with this. In Matthew 21, it says, the sheep and the goats. It says, when he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, and telling the solemn truth, whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Thanks, guys.